Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I'm joined by Terrence Spain with the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, who is here to share tips on talking with our kids about substance use. Thanks so much for being here, Terrence. Uh, thank you for having me today, Erin. I am excited to get to learn from you today, but before we get started, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you. Terrence is the Senior Manager for Adolescent Substance Use and Co-Occurring Disorders for the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. He has extensive experience in the fields of prevention services for substance use and in juvenile justice. He and his wife and two children live in Chickasha. Terrence, let's first talk about the realities of substance use among kids and teens here in Oklahoma. I understand the drugs most likely to be abused by kids in our state are alcohol, marijuana, and tobacco. So what do parents most need to know about the prevalence of and the dangers of abuse of these substances by our kids? Well, Aaron, I think the first thing I, I do want to say is that I want to tell parents that they need to know that they are the they play the most important role uh, in their in their child's life when it comes to matters of substance use. Uh, they play a pivotal role in educating their children on the dangers the dangers of these drugs, and um, also just being that sounding board that kids need. I know it sometimes they may feel like they don't, uh, but they are. So with these substances, it's also important to understand that um, each of these drugs can affect the brain development of our children and can cause harmful results that can be lifelong. Um, the use of these substances can affect your child's day-to-day -day activities in school, home, and in the community. Um, and within Oklahoma over the past several years, what we've seen is an increased access to substances um, through the through marijuana dispensaries, the expansion of alcohol laws, and just the changing landscape of social media. Um, but we also have the tools and the skills to combat the messages and the changes that are going on within our state. Uh, so uh, hopefully today we'll be able to talk a little bit about um, how parents can kind of gain some of that understanding uh, and know those resources within the community that they can go to. Um, and before we really get moving into this, I think one of the great things that everyone should truly start to understand as we talk about this is um, we look at substance use and disorders in the state of Oklahoma with the upstream approach. And this has been different from the past. In the past, we've kind of fallen into this mode of, okay, if your kid's using, where do I now go to get them help? We have to start thinking about this in the sense of we start we have to we have to look upstream as far as educating our children on the on the dangers of substance uses and having those conversations, whether those be in our home and even to the point of being with our our, our pediatrician. Uh, we have this great program um, that's happening right now called um, OKC Cap Map, where doctors can have the ability to contact a psychiatrist when they have a child within their um within within their office and they're talking about substances and how it may be reacting with any other medication that they're taking so those are some of the upstream approaches that that we're talking about um and then also once we start to talk about it it battles the big aspect of stigma mm -hmm. uh, stigma is huge in our state um we know 
um, that what, what we've learned from the opioid epidemic is that substance use does not discriminate between race, age, gender, or socioeconomics. So this means that it can happen to anyone in our community. I feel like there's obviously a lot to learn, but there's also a lot of hope. And I mm -hmm. think your message about, you know, the fact that even when it doesn't seem like it, our kids are listening to us um, and, and we have a lot more power here than we realize. So that is a great foundation <laughs> to get started in this conversation. Um, I want to share a really startling statistic that stopped me in my tracks as a mom of three young kids. Nine is the average age kids begin to think about alcohol and when their impression starts to shift from negative to positive, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. And we both have nine-year-olds. So mm -hmm. yes. um, for parents, this means that we need to start having these conversations about substance use way earlier than we may have predicted, way earlier than perhaps when we were told about it as kids. So Terrence, when do we need to start having these conversations and how can parents effectively broach the subject of substance use with our young children? So I think every parent knows their kid first and foremost, and they, and they know the level of understanding that, that their child has. So first take that into account as a parent, you know, your child, you, you know what they can understand. And that also means how you can, how you break down those difficult conversations and the words that you use. Uh, and I know they can be difficult. Um, but one thing I do recommend the parents and guardians with any or any adult with a youth in their life is to check out the talk they hear you campaign by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA, as we like to call them. Uh, it's a wonderful toolkit for being able to talk to our kids about substances, um, regardless of age. It, it, it helps to break it down to say, okay, if you've got a five-year-old that you're wanting to discuss this with, this is how you talk to them. Or if you've got a 16-year-old that you need to talk to. Um, but we can't only talk. Um, I think it's important that we also model this behavior as well. Um, there are little things we can do at home. I, I know that as adults, we, we may say, oh, well, you know, I'm an adult, so I should be able to drink. Um, but that also means drinking responsibly in your home um, and modeling that behavior, uh, especially if there's a family function that's going on and, and there's drinking or excessive drinking going on, um, finding the time to address that with your children and talk to them. Um, it's also important to do little things. Um, and, and this was something I never truly thought about until several years ago. Uh, we were um, discussing the aspect of prevention within the home. Um, and I know in many times we see children and dad will be sitting in the chair and dad says, hey, go grab me a beer from the fridge. Those are small little psychological things that kids take with them as they grow up. Um, so we can kind of change, shift our mind from even doing that. I know it may take a little bit more work to get up and go get that beer, but in essence, it's going to help our children out in the long run. Um, and then the other thing too is we as parents must look at our community when it comes to substances. Um, parents need to pay attention to local policies around where dispensaries can be placed in their communities working with um, to put local ordinances in place that limit how many alcohol or vape advertisement advertisements local convenience stores can have in their windows. 
I also encourage parents to get involved in community coalitions that are addressing these issues through the form of prevention. Local community coalitions can be found by visiting ODMH's website and locating the prevention tab where you can find communities actively addressing these issues locally by reviewing local policies and, and cultural norms. Another great resource is the Oklahoma Evolution Foundation. Uh, they provide resources, support, and technical assistance to families, community coalitions, and children's behavioral health providers in the state of Oklahoma. Those are some great resources. Um, I, I love that you've pointed to all of these places that parents can get the information because a lot of times we want to have the conversations, we just don't know where to start. And so those kits or books or websites are a great place to gather kind of our talking points and get ourselves pumped up mm -hmm. to have those conversations. I love too everything you said about really thinking about our own behaviors and how we can be good models for our kids. So as our kids start to age, as they enter those preteen years and maybe they're encountering more messages or more substances in their environments or online, how do our conversations at home need to change to address what they're encountering? Yeah. So as we know, preteens and teens, they really think selfishly <laughs> during this time. Uh, and so we as parents have to have to help them by managing that and bringing them back to the fact that it, it is about more than just them in life. Uh, so one of the things I, I suggest is starting to discuss uh, with your youth how substances may have affected your family in the past or um, people around you in your community. Uh, many of our families have a history of usage that have affected us in some form or fashion. And, and that can kind of touch some, some deep feelings not only for us, but for our kids as well. Um, this information can be important uh, for youth in understanding why they should stay away from certain drugs. Um, and also take those opportunities around the dinner table or car rides to school. Because, you know, in a car ride to school, you have them. They can't jump out on you. <laughs> uh, That's so my favorite time to have hard <laughs> conversations. You also don't have to look directly at each other. That is true. That is very true. So take those times to discuss those things that you may be seeing online um, that that are involving substance use or concerning it. Uh, it gives you a chance to understand what they're seeing and hearing while also normalizing the conversation around substance use. Um, my nine-year-old, it was it was great. A lot of times, you know, nine-year-olds these days they are online and they're watching things, and I and I happen to just be sitting by and watching something. And, you know, it came and the object of marijuana came up, the, the, the conversation. And so I grabbed, I, you know, I grabbed the laptop and stopped it. And I said, hey, let's talk about this. And she looked at me like I had four eyes, of course. Uh, but I was like, no, no, really. And so we, we talked a little bit about our family as well uh, with our past history of marijuana usage and how it's affected us and, and why it's important in talking about these messages. Um, one other area that's really important and, and near and dear to me is to discuss how substances, um, how, how youth interact when they're confronted with using drugs. You can give them tips or phrases that can divert the situation. Uh, they can say things like, no, I can't have that because it'll interact with my ADHD meds. Or maybe, uh, no way, man, my, my parents randomly drug test me. Uh, and if all else fails, 
provide a text or a code that they can send to you to help get them out of a situation by, by calling or coming to pick them up. Um, or it doesn't have to be any of these. It can be something you and you and your child come up with that works for you and your family and helping them handle the situations. Uh, I always say, do your best, be creative with it, um, but just give them avenues and, and practice it with them so that it's not a brand new situation to them when they're faced with it and they're looking for a way out. Yeah, it's best if they hear it from us first and are already prepared for what they're going to say and how they're going to deal with it. I think too, for me, the other piece of that, that I always have to think about, you know, if I've prepared my kids for a situation and, um, you know, they do the right thing and whether it's, they call me or they let me know that they've encountered something. Um, then I have to remember I'm, we're not punishing <laughs> for this, exactly. you know, like, I, I have to reiterate to them and then my actions have to back it up that if you do the right thing, there's not going to be consequences for you. Even if you were somewhere you weren't supposed to be um, mm -hmm. online or, or in person, um, I'm going to honor that and, and appreciate that, you know, they have, have done what I've asked them to do in that situation. And then what about when our kids hit those teen years, they're preparing for life outside of our homes. What messages at this point can we reiterate to them about substance use as they are becoming more independent? How do we keep this from feeling like ongoing nagging to our kids and really use these opportunities to create meaningful ongoing conversation? So we like to refer to this age as, the, as transition youth because uh, they are transitioning from moving into that area of moving out of your home, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, or on to college. And, and many of our youth in Oklahoma uh, during this time, they struggle at this age around conversations around substance use because it can be difficult because they they may know somebody who is utilizing drugs with, within their friend circle or at their school. Um, but those conversations must be had because as you and I both know, Aaron, the stakes are high when it comes to substance use. Uh, it's important to, to discuss the aspect of brain development again. Um, research tells us that a use frontal cortex of the brain doesn't fully develop until around the age of 25. And this part of the brain, brain controls impulse control. So therefore, a lot of times when you're having the conversation after your kid's done something, you're like, what, are you, what were you thinking? You can, say, you can say to yourself, they weren't. That part of their brain hadn't fully developed yet. Uh, so we have to make them aware of this and let them know that like it's science. This is, this is what's happening with them and their body and their brain. Uh, um, and our transition youth, uh, substance use can oftentimes derail academic progress, um, cause health issues and lead to legal troubles. Um, many times during this time of their life, this is when we see grades start to fall and slip. Um, and that can, and that can be defeating as well. Um, and we as parents really have to be supportive in that. Um, and just to kind of keep it from feeling like the conversation is nagging, tie a lot of the conversation that you're having with them around their dreams and their aspirations for the future, uh, what they're trying to achieve, especially those who are like trying to get to college and get out of your house and be like, well, you, you've got a dream of going to college and moving out these things are going to affect you this way if if you were to use substances or could affect you this way. Um, so tie it to those things, those things they're desiring and wanting to do, uh, that freedom. And 
always explain to them that like freedom has a responsibility with it as well. And um, keeping substances out of their life is part of that responsibility. That's such great advice. And I want to go back to touch on something else that you mentioned. In addition to talking to our kids about maybe a family history of substance use, um, helping them understand that if they're on other medications, if they have neurodivergencies, that they need to be aware that they might have more of a propensity toward substance abuse um, or being aware of how that could interact negatively with some other medications they're on. Would you talk a little more about that? Yes, most definitely. Um, and and that is, that's actually an area that's true, that is near and dear to me, just because I, I have a son with ADHD. And we've been able to have the conversation around um, how substances affect, could affect him negatively, uh, being that he's already taking uh, medication to address this. Um, and really having the conversation too, around the aspect of because a lot of our kids during this time who have who have those diagnoses don't want to take their medication. It makes their head hurt or it stops their appetite from being able to eat. Um, and if we don't have those conversations, they may turn to a substance like marijuana um, or a substance like nicotine and vaping um, to almost uh, counteract the aspect of what of what they of what they feel is happening and going on with them. Um, we have this convert, we, we have this saying that, you know, with youth, um, what they feel and see and what's going on with them, it's reality to them. It may not be reality to us, but it's reality to them. And so we have to be cognizant of that when, when we start talking about kids with neurodivergent um, diagnoses and tendencies, especially when it comes to substances. That's really helpful and not something that I had really considered. And I know as a mom that I need to have those specific conversations with my three kids as well. Let's talk more about marijuana. So it's on that list of the top three drugs abused by kids in Oklahoma. And it's much more prevalent and accessible, as you mentioned, for our kids today than when today's parents were kids. So what do parents most need to know about that accessibility and how do we effectively address those realities with our kids? Yes. So we like to say today's marijuana is not your grandfather's marijuana. Um, the first thing parents truly need to know is that marijuana today is more potent than the marijuana of the past. Uh, since legalization of medical marijuana, uh, within our state, we've seen an increase in emergency room visits for youth diagnosed with marijuana psychosis. Uh, and also we've seen an increase within, um, within our, our therapists that provide substance use treatment around the state uh, with marijuana disorder. Um, so there's a reality there. And again, uh, we have to discuss the dangers of marijuana because of the long-term effect on the developing brain of youth. It goes, it always goes back to brain science. Um, we know that many of our youth are want to succeed in life. We have to communicate to them that marijuana is only going to hinder them from getting to those goals that they are trying, that they're really trying to get to. Um, and again, I go back to parents getting involved in your community after you have these conversations. Um, talking with your local city council members about where dispensaries are being placed, uh, making sure that they are um, being placed within a section that's far enough away from a school, far enough away from a church, far enough away from parks, 
um, areas where our youth are congregating. Um, we can even talk, we can even look at the aspect of addressing advertisements at marijuana dispensaries. Uh, once, one study that was done in our state looked at our small towns in Oklahoma. We have a lot of small and rural communities within Oklahoma. And um, and this artist went and looked at, he, he took pictures from the past of main streets in, in small town Oklahoma and then compared them to the main streets of today and how they changed in the sense uh, with dispensaries and advertisement and bright colors and things that kind of bring, that catch kids' eyes. So we have to be very aware of this within our communities as well. That's great advice. I um, will never forget driving down the street and my, I think he was six at the time, my youngest learning to read was like, mom, what's a dispensary? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, you know, may not have been something I would have thought to talk to him about at that age, but it was a great entree into a, a meaningful conversation about what a dispensary is, what marijuana is, um, and so sometimes even when we're not quite ready to have those conversations, our kids will, will push us into it. <laughs> um, I want, yes, I want to talk about vaping too. I had um, kind of a startling conversation with my kid's pediatrician. We were there for my 11-year-old's well check, and he was telling us about the prevalence of vaping in kids her age and at schools like hers at middle schools, um, which surprised both of us. Um, I appreciated that he brought that up and had that conversation with us. What are the current realities of vaping for Oklahoma kids? What do parents need to be aware of about vaping? And what do we need to be sure our kids know and understand about it? Mm -hmm. um, so parents should first understand that vaping is not only nicotine, it can be marijuana. And that's something that that we we really need to make sure that we understand. And there is no such thing as safe vaping. Uh, in Oklahoma, we're seeing vape-related hospitalizations, uh, including breathing problems and pneumonia. And anybody who lives in Oklahoma knows that that breathing problems and allergies are a are a real thing. So that just exacerbates those problems within our children at that point in time. And I. I hate to sound like a broken record, but uh, vaping nicotine, uh, like it, it truly can affect the cognitive portion of your brain. It makes it harder to solve problems, think ab abstractly, understand complex ideas, and also learn quickly. Um, they've become such a large issue in Oklahoma that, um, that the Department of Mental Health partners with the Oklahoma Health Department and uh, the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust, or who we know as TSIP, to tackle this issue. Um, a great resource for parents is uh, it's called Behind the Haze website. Uh, it can provide valuable information on the dangers of vaping and, and how to talk with your kids about vaping. And also, if you suspect your child is vaping, you can contact 988, which can connect you with services in the area to help with tobacco cessation and vaping cessation. Oh, that's such great advice. So we've talked a lot about kind of education and prevention with our kids. But I want to shift now and, and ask you to give us some advice about supporting our kids or kids we love who have a parent or loved one who's dealing with substance abuse. Oh, awesome question. And, and the reason I say that is because we, um, when it comes to supporting youth who have parents with substance use, 
we've got two wonderful groups uh, in, in Oklahoma County that are doing amazing work around this. The first is Peaceful Family Oklahoma. They provide um, free child-centered programs to children ages 4 to 18 and their caregivers. Um, they're the only peer-to-peer -peer program in Oklahoma specifically designed to help children affected by addiction in their families. Uh, they um, And the work that they're doing is so needed within our state uh, because our families are so affected by substance use and giving those youth an opportunity to really be themselves and they have a place where they can be vulnerable with other kids who are experiencing the same things that they are and then giving them the tips, tools and resources and support structure to be able um, to go back home and help support their family as they move through recovery. The other group is Parents Helping Parents Oklahoma. Uh, parents Helping Parents, they're an organization that helps to advocate and support parents whose children struggle with substance use disorder, um, but they also assist parents as well uh, through a number of avenues if they are having substance use issues. Um, and one of the great things I think that kind of came out of COVID was the move towards virtual support meetings, community outreach and advocacy online uh, so that it's a statewide effort. E even if you live out in Guyman, you can still be a part of the conversation and still be able to get that peer-to-peer -peer interaction and assistance in helping communities. That's great. And, and it sounds like you've answered the next question I was going to ask you too about if we have anyone listening whose kids are dealing with substance abuse or who are dealing with substance abuse themselves, those two groups um, would be potential resources for them as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, um, and I'd also say to tell them they're not alone. You are not alone. There are there are others within our within your community and our community throughout the state that are dealing with the same issues, and they've been down that road. Uh, so reach out and let them help you walk down that road with you, so that you don't feel like you're alone. Um, there are there are others in your community and social structures that are battling substance use as well. So um, let them help you. Let them let them be a resource to you. Um, again, that first step, contact 988, have your child assessed or yourself assessed. Uh, the 988 staff are wonderful. They'll connect you with a local provider in your community uh, to continue the best course of treatment for you or your child. Um, and also, um, we talk about the dangers and problems. I want to say that recovery is real. And we have thousands of Oklahoma youth that are in recovery today. Uh, recently, I had the opportunity to visit Teen Recovery Solutions in Oklahoma City, uh, and they are a recovery school for teens, a school for teens to go to so that they can be in a supportive environment as they go through recovery while still getting their education. They're providing a way for teens to complete their high school graduation requirements while developing a healthy lifestyle of recovery. So recovery is real. We have resources throughout the state. Tulsa Street School is a wonderful resource as well, where kids receive substance use treatment, education, uh, and many of their students there um, face other, other avenues of struggles, but it's just a great place to, to really be able to help get on your feet and, and live the life of recovery. Um, one of the other things I'll say to parents as well is that relapse does occur. Um, in most cases, if a youth is struggling with substances, um, 
it, it is it is very realistic that relapse will occur, but that's okay because what we do is we support and we and we gather around that kid and we say, okay, what are the procedures or what are the things that led up to your relapse so we can help to identify those uh, and and they get back into recovery. It's a lifelong it's a lifelong thing of of recovery. But it's a beautiful thing when we see the support of those around us and we're able to kind of address it. Thank you so much for this conversation today, Terrence. This has been not only very informative, but also very hopeful. I'm so impressed at all the resources that parents have here locally, whatever point in this journey they and their family are at. Um, you all provide such great services and such great support. So thank you for all that you do. You're welcome. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure meeting with you today, Aaron. Uh, you too. I, yeah, but let me let me leave you by saying it's a hopeful time in Oklahoma as it relates to adolescent substance use. We we really are making a lot of strides. Uh, COVID taught us that the use of technology, not only to access services, but also a tool to provide treatment and support groups and provide one-on-one -on -one for parents and guardians has truly helped us. So this means we're able to connect and provide needed services to youth, no matter where they are in the state of Oklahoma. And we know that a healthy that healthy youths make for a healthy Oklahoma. Mm, that's so powerful and so true. For all of our listeners, you can learn more about all the great work of the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services at oklahoma.gov slash O-D-M-H-S-A-S. And Terrence mentioned 988. I want to give another plug for 988, which is Oklahoma's new mental health lifeline. You can call or text 988 to receive free support 24 seven for mental health crises, including substance abuse or to for resources and support to prevent crises. Those operators are licensed and certified health crisis specialists. They answer calls, connect to, and dispatch local services and mobile crisis teams. For more information about everything 988 offers, visit 988oklahoma.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.